All right, well, it's been good to be together, hasn't it? Just to sing and to pray together. And now we get to the fun part, right, where uh, we get to get into God's Word. And um, I want to just to um, read something from uh, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. This is the book by Donald Whitney that I told you about on Sunday that I think is a must-read for every Christian. And, and uh, I was thankful that... Uh, so many of you just kind of barraged the, the resource center, and they didn't have any copies. I'm so sorry about that, but uh, we've got some on order. But I would say, hey, go on Amazon, go on christianbook.com, and you can get your own copy sent to you, uh, maybe quicker than we're going to get it here. But uh, this would be a great uh, supplemental read this summer for this series. I think every Christian needs to read this book at least once uh, in their lifetime. And so I uh, wanted just to read for you uh, just a couple uh, quotes from... Uh, this first chapter on Bible intake. Bible intake, that's the discipline uh, of, that we're going to be talking about tonight uh, of, of reading God's Word and studying God's Word. Listen to what uh, Whitney says. He said, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. There simply is no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of Scripture. Regardless of how busy we become with all things Christian, we must remember that the most transforming practice available to us is the disciplined intake of Scripture. If you want to be changed, if you want to become more like Jesus Christ, discipline yourself to read the Bible. Uh, Let's close in prayer, okay? (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, He just said it, right? But uh, when uh, it came time to divvy up these different uh, disciplines or holy habits uh, to different guys in our church to teach, um, when I, I thought of the, who, who should teach the, this, this whole um, uh, message tonight about um, the, the discipline of reading God's Word and studying God's Word, uh, one guy came racing to the forefront of my mind, and that is Fred Savins. And the reason why he, he came to my mind is because I know the guy studies the Bible. And uh, we see that every Sunday, is, especially those of you who are in the halftimers uh, uh, Sunday school class, equipping hour, I mean, he just comes ready to teach every Sunday, and he does it uh, with great passion and enthusiasm. But I've had the privilege of being in his office at home, his home office, and just seeing all the resources he's got and kind of his study, study set up. And it's just really encouraging uh, to see this man who loves God's Word, and he doesn't just study it to teach it, uh, he studies it to live it himself. And so we're, we're really excited to have Fred tonight come. So uh, why don't we appreciate Fred tonight, kind of welcome here, clap a little bit. Yeah, come on, man. I didn't, didn't expect an ovation. Ken, I'll pay you later uh, about the introduction. Well, it's my privilege tonight to kick off our session, sessions on our first lesson on listening to God through Bible study. So hopefully we have a PowerPoint. I'm into PowerPoint, so hope you like it. Ken has got to learn about PowerPoint, so we'll pray for him. (laughs) But let me just refresh your memory on the verse, the key verse that I think the the book kind of emphasizes, 1 Timothy 4.7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now that's a command in the Greek, so it's not an option for us, when this says discipline yourself, it means to continue to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. What is godliness? Well, it's growing in Christ likeness and God likeness. What a better way to understand how to do that than to listen to God and how He tells us to do that? 
So this is our first lesson. I think it's probably the most important. I mean, there's two chapters in the book on the Word, so it's sort of foundational to the rest of the lessons we're going to be talking about. So tonight, I get the privilege of really starting us off, hopefully on a good foot. I uh, taught a lesson not too long ago about the temptation of Jesus. You remember the temptation of Jesus? When Satan came to him, he was in the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and nights. And the first temptation that Satan came and said, look, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones to bread? You remember what Jesus said? Matthew 4, 4, I think it's up on the screen. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So how do we live? Just like you need bread for physical food, just like we need pizza to eat tonight, how we get into the spiritual life and grow in the spiritual life is based upon one thing, the Word of God. Is it important for our spiritual life as Christians? It is vital. It is incredibly vital. Some years ago, I was at an office building, and a guy came in I just knew briefly. His name is Warren. Warren came to my desk and noticed I had a Bible on my desk. He said, you're the, quote, you're the first guy I've ever seen in the oil field that has a Bible on his desk. Now, maybe he doesn't get around much, but that's probably true. And I didn't have too much time, but I said, look, Warren, that book right there will tell you everything you need about life. I didn't have too much time to really explain it to him, but I just left him with that. I said, why don't you start reading it? Well, I forgot about what I talked to him about. About some six months later, he calls me and says, Fred, I've got some exciting news. Oh, really? What? He said, you know, when you told me to read the Bible, I got my Bible at home and began to read it. And I began to see my lack of spiritual life and that I needed faith in Jesus Christ. And through the, the study and reading of his word, I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't it incredible? And in fact, he said, I'm part of a church. I'm getting baptized next week. And he began to recount dozens of things that God's Word had told him that he was putting in his life. Isn't that incredible? Isn't the Word of God necessary and important for us? It was important for Warren. I mean, it is important for us. We live as Christians by the Word of God. Well, I'm going to talk about four things tonight. I don't have time to talk about them in detail, but I really want us to look at four things about the Word of God. Number one, the importance of the Word of God. I just can't jump in the deep end of the pool without really giving us the basis of how important it is, because the Scriptures are just replete with it. So first, the importance of God's Word. Second, we're going to talk about the intake. Ken kind of introduced it, but there's ways that we're to get the Word of God in our life. It's not just to sit up here, right? It's not just to go to a Bible church. We need to intake it. Third, the integration of God's Word. It's more than just taking it in. It's putting it in our life, right? And finally, I'm going to look at an invitation for you for God's Word. So let's dive right in. Number one, the importance of God's Word. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalms 19. If one passage of Scripture, I believe, really summarizes 
the key elements of the importance of God's Word at Psalms 19. I mean, it summarizes in really short fashion, so I'm going to go this real quick, but I think there's six points in this little, these few verses, verses 7, 8, and 9, that tell us about the importance of God's Word. And I just want to read it real quickly, and let's talk about these six things. Let's look at verse 7, the first part of that. Number one, we're going to learn the Bible is important because it is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. It's all that we need. It's complete. Verse 7a, read that with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The law of the Lord, and every time, each one of these six characteristics, it says, of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord. Where did we get the Bible? From the Lord. So this is God's revelation to us. This is His plan. And so the first one is the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The word there for perfect is complete. It's comprehensive. It's all we need in the Christian life. Jude 3 says, I felt it necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Is there anything else we need in the Christian life other than the Bible? No, it's complete. It is sufficient for us as believers. Look at the seven, second part of verse 7. It is also reliable or trustworthy. Can we trust the Word of God? Absolutely. Look what it says. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony is sure. What does that mean? It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It, 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 you can put your full weight on it. See, when you're sitting down in those chairs, you're not worried about toppling over or crashing to the floor, are you? Because you trust the chair. You see, we can trust God's Word. It's reliable. It is from God to us that we can put our full weight on. We need to put our full weight on the Word of God. It's sure. Look at number three. Why is it important? Because it's authoritative. Look what it says in the first part of verse eight. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right. What that word means is it's a clear direction. It's not right versus wrong. It's a clear direction in life. Isn't it nice to know that God gives us clear direction in life? Do we have to wonder about what God wants us to do as Christians? It's very clear. It's right. It's because it's authoritative. God, it ha he has weight behind it. It's him that's telling us these things. Psalms 119, 105, that word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You see, the word of God gives us light for the steps we take, but it also shines down the path where to go, right? The word of God is authoritative. It has weight because it's from God. Look at number four in verse 8b. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the, the eyes. It's pure. What does that mean? It's lucid. It's clear. It's, it's, not, it's not simple, but it's not hidden. When you read the Word of God, it's very clear, isn't it? I mean, do you have to wonder what it takes to be saved? Is it real vague in the Scriptures? Uh, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart 
you shall be saved. It's very clear. Even simple children can understand it. Now, there's some things that are a little bit hard to understand, but typically God has given us something. We don't have to wonder what he's saying. It's very clear. Deuteronomy 6, remember the passage about teaching your children? These words, he's talking about the scriptures, which I commend you today, are be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk about them when you sit on the house, in the house, and when you walk along the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's so clear, it's so lucid for us to see exactly what God has for us. The next one, number five, it's inerrant. What does that mean? The word of God is inerrant. Look at verse 9a. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The word there for clean literally means without blemish. It's unstained. You can literally see through it. When you have a glass of water that's pure, you shouldn't see floaties in there, right? I mean, it's clear. You can see through it. That's what the Word of God is. It's without error. It's completely pure. You understand? Every word in this book is without error. God the Father gave us the Holy Scripture so that every word in here is completely true. You know, you want to know what truth is? Where do you find it? Right here. It's clean, it's unblemished. Psalms 119, 160, the sum of your words is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. And by the way, it lasts forever. What are the things that are going to last forever? People and the Word of God. You want to invest your life in something that's going to last forever? The Word of God, it's inerrant. It's completely without error. And finally, number six, it's determinative. It's easy for me to say determinative. Verse 9b, the judgments of the Lord are, what is it? True. The judgments of the Lord are true. What does that mean? It means the benchmark, it's the dividing line, it's right versus wrong. It, it's to absolutely settle what's right and what's wrong. So does it separate evil and good? Yes. Does it show us heaven and hell? Yes. It makes it very clear. It's determinative. It's straight. The Word of God gives us the straight line of how to live. Separates light and darkness. Hebrews 4.12. You know this verse? Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God is like a knife that can just separate your own soul with knowing what's right and what's wrong. It, it's the dividing line. It's the standard. So isn't that important? Isn't the Word of God important? It's so incredibly important, isn't it? It is who we are as Christians, this is not an optional thing. This is, this is a demand from God that we have this book. It is part of who we are. It's how we breathe. It's how we operate in the Christian life. 
And I don't care whether you're a small child or the oldest adult in here, the Word of God has to be a necessary part of who you are. Isn't that important? So important. You see, the problem is, in a Bible church, it's both our strength and our weakness. It's our strength because we hear it a lot. We emphasize, one of our strengths here is what? Teaching the Bible. Learning the Bible. Understanding the Bible. But see, it can also be a weakness. Because what we can do is take it for granted. Because it's not all about having spiritual brownie points and knowing how many sermons and preaching through the book of John. What is the ultimate objective, as we talked about in the first, first Timothy, or is that second Timothy? can't remember. But it's to put ourselves to move towards godliness, to change us. We're not about just doing the mechanics. It's got to be real. It's got to be changing us. It's got to be moving us to a higher place. Well, notice, just briefly read these verses 10 through 13 of Psalms 19. He kind of summarizes the benefits for us. They're more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So how much, how valuable is the Word of God? Incredibly valuable. It's more than gold, more than money. Do you desire the Word of God more than money? It says it's sweeter than honey. Now we have a lot of sweet things, but back then honey was the sweetest thing they knew. It was more delectable. The Word of God is more desirable than even honey. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. There's a warning and a great reward associated with this book. And listen to the last verse. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. Let them not rule over me. The book will keep you from sin. Now, by the way, sin will also keep you from the book. But this book will keep you from sin. What is our greatest enemy as a Christian? Sin. Sin is devastating. Christ died for our sin. And this book will release us from that. So is the Word of God important? Vitally important. Well, let's jump in the deep end. You ready? Number two, the intake of God's Word. Intake of God's Word. Now, a recent Barna poll, I actually read this, 2013. 80-some percent of people, households in the U.S. have Bibles in them. Now, only about 10 or 15% go to church, but 80% of the people have Bibles. Now, you know how many Bibles they have on average in a household? Between four and five. Four and five Bibles in one household is the average. How many people read their Bible every day? 10%. So 80% have a bunch of Bibles, but only 10% really read it. So there's a disconnect here. So just having a Bible doesn't get you much. Having it on the shelf and bringing it to church don't get you much. We're talking about intaking it, putting it in your life. I did a little survey. I think it hopefully is up on the screen, Psalms 119. I just wrote down the words 
in Psalms 119 where the psalmist talked about trying to put the Word of God into life. Let's just read those. Love the Word of God. Delight in the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. Keep the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Treasure the Word of God. Desire the Word of God. Walk in the Word of God. Understand the Word of God. Long for the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. Grow in the Word of God. See the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Observe the Word of God. Look in the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. Seek the Word of God. Regard the Word of God. Behold the Word of God. Esteem the Word of God. Turn to the Word of God. Cling to the Word of God. Establish the Word of God. Grow in. Continue in. See the Word of God. Remember the Word of God. And even obey the Word of God. You see all those words? That means taken the Word of God, and putting it in the life. That's not about just having it out there. It's having it in here, isn't it? You see, that's what this study is all about, trying to implement this book in here. So let's talk about some practical ways to do that. How do I get that book into my life in a real way? Let's talk about number one, listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. How do I get the Word of God into my life? I listen because God has given the gift of the Spirit to the church for men to teach us the Word of God. It's important. It's it's one of the fundamentals. It's the distinctive of church that men stand up that are gifted by God and preach the Word of God and teach the Word of God. This is a special gift that God has given us as a church. You understand? What a privilege it is to have men like Ken that will stand up and teach the Word of God that changes us. You see, Ephesians 4.11, he gave some as pastors and teachers to build up God's people. This is God's gift to us so that we can hear the Word of God. If he didn't want us to hear the word of God, he wouldn't have implemented this in the church. We need to continue to be hearing the word of God on a routine basis. Now, it's more than just hearing the words, right, and let them fall on the ground. There's more to it than that. But in order to get in your life, you've got to start hearing a little bit. You ought to miss it when you miss church. You ought to miss the time that you hear the word of God and you get challenged by it. You miss it? If you miss time and you're on vacation, I, I was gone for a couple of weeks, just a couple, uh, last week, and I really did miss being here. I missed the fellowship, but I missed the Word of God being preached to me. And that's part of what God has for us to listen to His Word. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, He said, Jesus was talking, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and observe it. How can we listen to God's Word? We listen to it at church, but there's a lot of other ways that we can listen to God's Word. There's all kinds of stuff on the internet, very good preachers, you've got to be discerning, but there's preachers out there that really preach the Word of God. There's no excuse for us not to have a continual diet of hearing God's Word. See, the benefit we get is guys have spent hours preparing, and they're detailing in the Scriptures, they're 
really going through the nuts and bolts and really uncovering all kinds of stuff. And then we get the benefit as they just give it to us. That's incredible. We ought to have a continual input of listening to God through his word being preached. Now, Ken has a great book. I'm not pushing the book, but there is the idea of us being prepared to listen as well. You need to prepare your hearts. It's, it's part of the process. But let's look at number two. So first we listen to it, but second of all, we need to read it. Is this obvious? Is it obvious that we need to read the Word of God? This is a big book. It could be a little intimidating. But you see, we're to take that Word of God and put it in our life. How else are we going to get it from the page into our mind? Is there any other way to do it? I mean, tell me, I'm open. We've got to look at the words and read it so that our mind begins to understand what's on the page. God's heart, his mind is here. How are we going to understand his heart and his mind? We've got to take it in. We've got to read it. The, one of the most difficult books in the Bible, Revelation. You know what it says in Revelation 1.3? Blessed are those who read this book. Blessed are those who read the book? Yeah. Even in Revelation. You get blessed. God changes you when you read it. You take it from the page into your mind. We must read the Bible. We must read it through. We must read it routinely. We need to read it frequently. Now, let me ask you. How many minutes a day would it take the average reader to get through the whole uh, Bible? How many minutes a day? Depends on how fast you read. But the average reader, if you read for 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, does everybody have 10 minutes that they could read the Bible? Probably do, don't you? I mean, unless you're real busy. I need to talk to you afterwards. (laughs) But 10 minutes a day will get you through the entire Bible in a year. I mean, if this is God's comprehensive book, our comprehensive equipment, everything we need, shouldn't we be reading it? Another way to look at it, if we read three and a half chapters in the Bible every day, you could get through the Bible in a year. There's about 1,190 chapters in the Bible. Three and a half chapters every day. Ten minutes. You see, we need to be implementing and constantly taking in the Word of God. Now, we make all kinds of excuses about, you know, I just don't have time to read God's Word. Really? Who died for you? Who put his life on the line and sacrificed everything for you? We owe him our life. It's a small price to pay. We got to get God's Word into our life to let it change us. Well, number three, study. Study. We're getting a little deeper, a little bit more radical. (laughs) Why do we study God's Word? Because we need to understand the words. It's not a matter of just skimming it over it and just reading the words. We want to understand the words. And so the idea of study the Word is to look deeply into the things of God. 
because we want to understand God, the depths of God. We're understanding the, all the details of life, and it takes some study. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. We'll be diligent to make maximum effort to rightly divide the word of truth, to rightly cut it straight. You see, study takes some effort. Most people don't study. In fact, the Bible says that uh, about 4% of Christians study the Bible once a week in some kind of organized Bible study. 4% of believing Christians? Isn't the Word of God important enough that we would want to look deeply into the Word of God? Now we did a, Tyler and I did a, a 10 uh, lesson summary on how to study the Bible. There's some helpful hints in there if you want to look at that we don't have time to cover it, but study the Word of God. It's important to understand the details of the Word of God. Now, by the way, one of the great things is we get a lot of handouts, particularly on the sermon application. If you listen to the sermons every week, that handout that you have, I don't know if you do that in Grow Group, but there's application, there's a more detailed study, so you don't even have to come up with your own Bible study. You can just take the sermon application Read through it on the back. There's application questions that makes you go a little bit deeper. You don't have to think about what I'm going to study. Well, just do the sermon application. In equipping hour, we hand out notes. I'm very proud of my notes. I'm probably the only one. But we have handed out notes tonight. I mean, you can look at those notes in detail and go through the scriptures. I've put a lot more in there I'm going to cover. That's for you to do on your own time and for you to Help yourself study through the material to make it more real, to make it more useful for you. Grow groups, I'm going to push grow groups. This is an excellent way for us to challenge each other in Bible study, particularly when you're doing sermon application or something else. It gives you an opportunity to interact with other people. There's a tremendous blessing in studying God's Word. Now, I'm going to get to number four, and I hesitate to say it, but you know another way to get God's Word in your life, to integrate, is memorize it. Oh my gosh, most people kind of compare this to having a root canal. Sorry, Steve Dwyer, but memorizing Scripture, oh my gosh, I'd rather get a root canal. What's the only way to retain 100% of God's Word in your life. You tell me. Memorize it. To get 100% of the truth of every word of God's Word in your life, you have to memorize it. And I was blessed because the first day I was saved, my friend came over, woke me up at 6 o'clock in the morning and said, we're going to do quiet time together, and here's your first verse. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. That's the first verse I ever memorized. You see, the Word of God is so powerful, we need to put it in our life by memorizing it, because it helps us so much. It gives us 
the ability to, to deal with sin and, and witnessing. Do you ever feel like you're just ineffective when you're talking with someone about the Lord? I mean, you know you should say stuff, but you just don't know exactly what to say, and you're stumbling around. Or somebody says, I've really got this problem, please help me. And you go, uh, well, uh, why don't you go see the elders? When you counsel someone, it strengthens your faith. It gives you the ability to help other people, doesn't it? So important. Now, I hear this all the time. I can't memorize. Now, before anybody comes up afterwards and says, you know, Fred, I, I appreciate you sharing with uh, memorization and all that, but I'm just not good at memorizing. I'm not either. You don't have to be good at it. You have to work at it. Memorization takes three things. You ready? Takes three things. Write them down. Number one, review. Number two, review. <laughs> Number three, let me think. Review. What's the important part about memorizing Scripture? Review. None of us are good at maintaining something unless we continue to review it. Let me tell you, folks, I've seen more change in people's lives by memorized scripture than any other thing. In the counseling room, that's one of the standard things we do when people come in. Why? Because it changes them. What they need is the Word of God, not in theory, but in practice. And so when we challenge them to memorize verses, it forces you to go over and over and over it so it not only just on the page, it begins in the life. Now don't, don't start memorizing unless you want to change life. If you want to change life, memorize Scripture. Now we've ordered some, one of my favorites, called the Topical Memory System. And it just gives a number of verses on various topics. I think there's 60 or 65 verses and we've ordered some for the Resource Center. I think it's one of the most powerful systems of Scripture memory that I could recommend. It's powerful and incredible as you look at it and memorize it, it begins to change who you are. You see, it's hiding God's Word in your heart. It's really hiding God's heart in your heart. Do we want His heart? This is His heart. It's hiding His heart in our heart. Ephesians 5.17 calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. I think some of us are fighting with a little pen knife instead of a sword. Boy, the devil's really afraid you got a little bitty knife, you know. Well, let's get one of those big swords, you know, that you have with two hands. That's the sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive weapon. We can, we can challenge others with it. We can use it. We can change our life with it. It's, it's powerful. Well, let's look at number three, the integration of God's Word. So we've, we've recognized the importance. We begin intaking it, but now how do we integrate it? How do we make it real? How do we apply it in our lives? John 8, 31 and 32. Listen, Jesus says a profound thing here. 
So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, believed him, listen, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's the characteristics of a true disciple according to Jesus? What is it? Continue in the word. If you're not continuing in the word, you need to ask yourself, what? Am I true disciple? If I don't care about God's word, if I'm not willing to continue to make it real, to stay and to abide in, to live in God's word, you've got to ask yourself, am I really a disciple? Because that's characteristic of a disciple, Jesus said. So let me talk about three things about how to take all the input that we had and apply it in our lives. Number one, we need a desire for God's Word. This is interesting. I begin to study it. I, how does one get desire for God's Word? Because 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word. Long desire, strongly desire the Word of God. We're commanded to desire the Word of God. How do you do that? I mean, I don't desire the Word of God. But He commands me to desire it. Number one, you ask God to give you the desire. And then you act like you desire it. Somebody shared with me some real important concept when I went to college. I wasn't sure I was going to make it in engineering. And so I asked my counselor there, how do I make straight A's in chemical engineering? I thought he would give me a great answer. He said, find someone that makes A's and do exactly what they do. <laughs> oh, there's got to be more than that. I didn't want to work hard. <laughs> in fact, here's what I did. Not this semester, but the next semester. I roomed with the number one engineering student in chemical engineering. Guess what? I, my grades really improved. <laughs> because this guy, he actually went to medical school. He got a degree in chemical engineering, got accepted to 11 medical schools. This guy studied. <laughs> he worked hard at it. Desire is a matter of asking God, for it is God who works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. He will give you the desire, but you've got to want it. And then second of all, you've got to act on it. You've got to act like you desire it. Do the things that people that desire the Word of God do. What do they do? If someone desiring the Word of God, what do they do? They read it. They memorize it. They spend time in God's Word. They, all the things we talked about, hear it continually. But see, we've got to have a desire. Otherwise, it's not going to mean anything to us. I'm not sure some of us really have a desire do we? Do you feel yourself like, I know I should get up in the morning and spend a little bit of time with the Lord in quiet time. Snooze. Snooze. I can't snooze. I, I, I just pop right up, but that's just the way I am. But you know what? It's a matter of making the decision and acting on it. 
when the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you know the Lord's good? You taste and you see it. Oh Lord, make me see you. Give me the desire and lay in bed. No, that doesn't work. You don't lay in bed and ask for the desire. You get up and start spending time in God's word and ask God for the desire to do it. You see, it takes desire to make application of God's word. Number two, meditation. Meditation. I believe it's one of the most powerful things that we can do to integrate God's word in our life as we meditate on its word, on his word. It's remembering the word in the Hebrew literally means to mutter over and over. Under your breath. Have you seen people walking along the road muttering to themselves, asking for food, etc.? That's what God wants us to do. (laughs) To ruminate is what the word that a cow chews its cut. It's the same concept. We're to mull over the truths of God in our mind and our hearts. Now, by the way, how can you mull over the truth of God when you haven't memorized it? What are you going to mull over? In order to really meditate on God's word, you need something to meditate on. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night. What do you think of when you have a spare moment? Sports team, where are you going to shop? What's for dinner? Great opportunity, God says, to meditate on him. See, we're seated with him in the heavenlies. We're to have our mind transformed by renewing it, by focusing on Christ. Now we're going to do that. We've got to meditate day and night. Listen to the rest of it. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. The leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. When you meditate on God's word, when you're taking it in and meditating, chewing on it, so that it begins to work its way from here to here. So you want to get it from here to here. And so our meditation, as we think about God's word and the truths and how do we apply it and we mull over it and think about it and ask God to change us with it. I believe meditation is one of the most powerful things you could do. It's a discipline that it takes for us to begin to think on the things of God on a routine basis. Now, all of us know how to do it. Do you worry? Does anybody in here worry about stuff? I didn't ask for hands. I, oh. <laughs> See, it's the opposite of worry. See, what you did with worry, don't do that. Think about God's word. And in fact, that's, by the way, how you get over worry. What does the Bible say? Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. So it's thinking about the word of God rather than thinking about your circumstance. Let, let me ask a question. Did worry change anything? The Word of God, thinking on it, can change your life. The last part of Psalms 19, it says this. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my God, my rock and my redeemer. The meditations of my heart, what I think about is who I am. When you control your thoughts, by the way, you can, because the God, God commands us to control how we think. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober-minded, the Bible says. Why would he command us to do something we couldn't do? I have many people say, well, I just can't control my thought life. Yes, you can. The Bible commands that we do. Why would he command us to do something if we could not do it? But it takes work. It takes meditation on the things of his through his word. Well, finally, we just need to apply it. We need to obey it. You see, we can deceive ourselves, the Bible says, by doing what? Hearing the Word of God. Now, most of the time we think hearing, that's a good thing, right? I just hear the Word of God. I'm doing a good thing. No, the Bible says if that's all you're doing, you deceive yourself. James 1, what does it say? Anyone who just listens to the word and does not obey it deceives himself, it says. So the objective is not to get spiritual brownie points. Well, I spend my quiet time today and I memorize two verses. That doesn't mean anything to God. We're not about spiritual brownie points or spiritual gold stars. And God said, oh, you're doing such a good job because you memorized one verse. It's obeying it. We deceive ourselves if we don't obey. I made a list of some stuff here that you could look at later, but when you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures and you memorize the scriptures, you ought to be thinking about these kind of things. Is there a sin to avoid? That's a key one. (laughs) Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise to claim for me? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a command to obey, of course? Is there a condition for me to meet? I think I left this one out. Is there a verse to keep? Something I should memorize? Is there an error to avoid? Is there a challenge to face? These are the kind of things, when you look at the Word of God, it's not just esoteric and just something that we do to pass the time. Because I'm a Christian, I go to a Bible church, this is what we do. No. We're there to apply the Word of God and make it real in our life. Well, we got to sum up. We looked at the importance of God's Word, the intake of God's Word, the integration of God's Word, and I want to spend just a moment on the invitation to God's Word. So what? So what? All the stuff I've talked about, so what? Does it really matter? This is for everybody else, not you. Is it for you? Of course it's for you. Based upon what I just said, what are you going to do about it?
2 Peter 3.18. One of my go-to verses. It's a command to us. It says, But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Command. Not optional. So if you're not doing that, you're disobeying the Lord. And I think the things we just talked about, about taking God's Word and implementing it and integrating our life is something that He wants from us. So number one, we really have to think about, number one, the priority of God's Word in our life. Because I think many of us have priorities on other things. If I have time, I'll read. If something doesn't come up, I'll listen. I'm certainly not going to memorize because that's for weirdos. Because we have to prioritize the Word of God in our life. If this is the most important thing that we have, folks, listen, is it the most important thing? Do I need to make it priority? If I push it down to the last priority, how much is it going to change me? Nothing. God says that we have to put our priority on Him and His Word. So when you think about this priority in, in terms of time and effort, when, where, and how long. So I've just given you some blanks that I would challenge you to think about and pray about, about your commitment to the Word of God. This is a practical few lessons. I mean, it's, it's something that we're trying to really give some practical helps for people to, to really make changes. If listening is important, if God has given us special gifted men to teach us, shouldn't we have a priority to listen? How is that priority going to relate to your life? Look, if you miss, it's on, on the web. You can go to the website and listen. There's other places you can listen. What about reading? Are you going to start reading God's Word? It's a question. Does God want you to do it? Of course. we got to start taking God's Word in. I don't know, every person that comes in the counseling room, I ask him this question. How many times this week have you spent some time in God's Word? You know what the answer is? Every time? Every time. Zero or one. Every time. Why is that? Because if they were in God's Word, they wouldn't be there, probably. Because they've let it slide. Their priority for God and His Word is way down the list. And their life is in a mess. Are you going to read God's Word? You need to make a plan, put a priority on it. Is it important? It's vital. Study? Are you going to study? How are you going to study? I think a good way is sermon application. There's other avenues with small groups and, and books and things like that that you study, get deeper in God's Word and, 
all that's possible. But if you don't prioritize, you will not do it. Memorize. This is a tough one, but you can do it. There's studies out there, there's ways. If you want to see me afterwards, I've spent my life memorizing scripture, and it's, uh, it just has to, you have to integrate it and develop the system, but it can be done. There's some easy ways to do that. It will make so much difference in your life. And then, of course, after you intake all that, you need to be asking yourself, am I applying it? Am I putting it really in my life? Is it coming out that people can see it? I would encourage you to have an accountability partner because we will easily give up these disciplines until we have to sit in front of someone and say, you know what? I was just lazy. I didn't do it. We got to discipline ourselves to meditate and apply the Word of God on a continual basis. But God will change you through His Word. You see, when I open this book, sparks ought to fly out. This is God's heart. This is the incredible, infinite God of the universe that wrote a love letter to me. Why wouldn't I spend every waking moment of my life in this book? Why wouldn't I devote myself solely to understanding what his heart is so that it would change my heart? What an opportunity we have, folks. This is an opportunity for us to change and grow and to see God better than we've ever seen him before. And you can't change without this book. life-changing let's pray together Lord I trust that your word was clear to the people I pray you might convict their heart and challenge them to see their life in relationship to you and your word God we love you and that's the reason we want to see you in this book right here. Change us and grow us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.